All right, welcome to the pre-show, everyone. Not recording. Well, we're recording the one that counts. I'll start this one. <laughs> so, like I said, we have a get, uh, like you said, like I said. Yes, welcome to the pre-show. Um, <laughs> this is why we have a drink beforehand because it helps us get loose for yeah. sure. Each one wants to know what time it is. I'll I'll set it up. You, you. there? We're going. All right. We are joined by Alexis and Chip who are here with uh, their movie Blood, Sweat, and Beers, which was a Kickstarter project and now is uh, fully funded and being travel around the, the country and shown everywhere. And they're here for Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you so much for having us. We're very excited to be here. So yeah, yeah, you don't have to be on your game just yet, right? This is just the pre-show. Oh, Fraction of our listeners listen to this stuff. Uh, <laughs> so we so. can say whatever we want. Absolutely. You can say whatever you want in the main show, too. But yeah, this doesn't have to be, like, like I was telling you before, this is kind of our secret weapon. Because if you listen to a lot of beer podcasts, they like going off topic. And some of them are very entertaining. But we get all our off topic out here. Yes. And uh, yeah, and then on the show we pretty much just just the facts, just the beer. Uh, so you know, talk about whatever's on our minds. How was the drive out? Um, I was falling asleep most of the time. Isn't the turnpike a boring drive? <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, just you know, listen to other podcasts and falling asleep. Not your guys' podcasts. That would never put me to sleep. <laughs> well, it might. But I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. It's tough to stay awake. Um, we just drove back from Sarasota, Florida. So it's about a thousand wow. mile drive, and we were from Maryland, and that was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, we switched off maybe three or four times throughout the night, but whew, falling asleep. We needed like eight Red Bulls, like four <laughs> coffees. It was crazy. I uh, I kind of remember. I'm also from Maryland. I'm from uh, just north of DC. Oh, that's uh, great. Rockville, Gaithersburg. Yeah, oh we, live in, we live in Silver Spring. Silver okay. Spring. Right. So, <laughs> um, so I, I do remember vaguely because you know, I was younger, but I do remember taking a drive down to Orlando at one mm-hmm. point. And that was probably similar oh yeah in terms of the i think we we, we took a day wow. uh, but that's it was it a family family trip family trip oh boy so, <laughs> so not this past christmas but the christmas before i went to disney with my kids Aww. and we drove down and the plan was to drive most of the way get a hotel a couple hours from orlando get there bright and early and do the thing and just as things go we're like we just want to get there so like it, we we got we drove straight through and got to Disney at like three in the morning and they actually were able to check us in early and they didn't charge us an extra day, which was great because we weren't awesome. supposed to check in until like seven or eight in the morning. So you got a few hours of sleep, get up and go to the park. And then on the way home, money there, so on the way home, we were, okay. the way home, we were just as crazy. We're like, do you want to, you want to stop? Nah. So we just tag team the whole way home. That's what we did. That's yeah. the way to do it. I, yeah. Once you're like, you're in it, you got to just go. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, we were just in Orlando also for we were screening our first movie, The Dream Share Project, and it was got to be like three at night and we're like, All right, we should probably like stop and get a hotel. And I had booked something earlier that day, so we show up at the travel lodge, I'm like, All right, we're ready to check in. He's like, Oh, your reservation's for two weeks from now. <laughs> so I guess like the travel site I had booked from is like defaulted to another week and it was just it was awful. And he's like, there's no rooms for... I was like, all right, well, back on the road. Like, I guess we're not stopping tonight. Oh, that stinks. <laughs> there wasn't like a Motel 6 nearby? Every single thing was full. So wow. where we yeah. were, it was by like Bush Gardens, Disney, mm-hmm. like just a strip of theme parks. Oh, and it was so spring it was break. Like, it was spring and break. And it was spring break. Yeah. Yeah. You had to drive 50, 60 miles before you find something. Yeah. Like, Anything. Yeah. That's, so I don't know. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I've never been to Disney in my whole it's, life. Uh, 
It's a different place, that's for sure. <laughs> a, a magical place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really know how to make uh, paying for things frictionless. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I went, they were beta testing this My Magic Band. It's like an RFID bracelet. Okay. And it does a bunch of things. It unlocks the door for your room. It is anytime you want to buy something, popcorn, no. beer, or whatever, you just beep and oh you just pay God. for it. It's also your fast pass. And this is kind of cool. So instead, like the way fast pass, I guess, normally works is you go in and there's like a kiosk set up and you kind of pick a ticket for a slot, like a time slot. And if you don't get those tickets, they're gone. The way they work with the Magic Pass is you go on the website the day before and you pick three things that you want to do. And then you kind of put it into the roulette machine and pull the handle. And I know that was a bad mixed analogy. Um, and, but it, it kind of gives you three different, like three options of three times each. Like, you know, you can do A in the morning, B in the early afternoon, C in the late afternoon. Or the second one might be shifted earlier, the third one might be later. So you don't get to pick what time you do these fast passes, but they give you a couple options. You pick those. So you have a half an hour window, I think it was. And you just show up, just scan your bracelet, turns green, you get on the ride. So that was kind of nice, too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, man, the future is here. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I can imagine how that's a magnet for your money. I mean, it just yeah. sucks. Oh, yeah, uh, you pay yeah. for everything with it, right? Yeah. And you just build back to your master account that, you know, oh. is at the room. So, And it doesn't. It, there's no display. It doesn't tell you how much money oh, you're spending. Oh, of course not. Of course yeah. not. <laughs> well, that's what th- we actually, um, we've looked into it before. Like, if you read about the psychology of how money works, like, Obviously, if you have actual dollar bills, actual cash in your wallet compared to a credit card, you're going to spend way less money because of that because it's physically something leaving mm-hmm. your wallet. And obviously, if you're just swiping something or, oh, my gosh, now a, a bracelet, a magic bracelet, you can just wave mm-hmm. at the world and it takes your money away. Just yeah, like Apple Pay on your phone, right? Yeah. If, if that yeah. got more traction and started being used someplace. Yeah. Well, it, it's so funny because bars, I mean, the whole their whole thing is, you know, do you want to start a tab? They take your credit card from mm-hmm. you and then... You're just buying, and you don't see the money tabulate until the end. And you're exactly. like, I guess I did buy this. <laughs> Another part of the psychology that I find is interesting is at the fancier restaurants, right? They don't put a dollar sign. They just put 11. Yes. And yeah. psychologically, that hurts less if the dollar sign's not there. Yeah. And also, using like eyes instead of ones mm-hmm. makes okay. it hurt even less. Wow. So you can tell it's, you know it's 11 when you read it. But it's I I, and subconsciously, it's not as expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. There's like a whole psychology to numbers. Like, I feel like I read it somewhere. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it was either I think it was odd numbers imply a bargain, mm-hmm. and like twelve dollars imply that you're, or, you know, an even number implies that you're getting like a really good deal. So there's like even different ways to approach how you price things, whether it's odd or even numbers mm-hmm. too. It's That's, crazy. So that, that explains 99s, right? I mean, mm-hmm. 99 exactly. cents. Well, yeah. 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 Well, I think 99, well, maybe some of that psychology. I think the main one there is the the, the, the most significant number is one Lower. whole less, right? Yeah. So instead of $200, it's 100 and something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the main part of the 99s. All these marketers trying to trick us. <laughs> but usually craft beer is like just a whole number for the most part. You don't really see like... Three ninety nine craft beer at the bar. Well, I'm, I'm looking at that uh, McKellar well, thing we have out there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, retail, retail. Yeah. They retail have it. it. They have ninety yeah. fives and ninety nines. That's me. I'm sorry. I should have kept that turned down. Damn you, Greg. <laughs> uh, Ding. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Dollars. Dollars. We were talking about payment and getting swindled, frictionless payments, and mm. things like that. You guys get an iWatch? 
Uh, no, we have not yet. I'm still on like the iPhone 4, which is really starting to crap out at this point. It's terrible. Like buttons won't even work. Do you guys have the watch or anything? Or? I, I have the uh, six plus. The giant. You, you can compare, oh, you have a giant one. <laughs> compared to, to a four, that's it's, monstrous. It's pretty huge. Wow. I think Lexus has my four. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I'll, uh, I'll open it up for you so you can see the brilliant screen. <laughs> it's a monstrous phone. Oh my gosh. This is what I need. <laughs> you need a purse to carry it. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's it's one of the best pieces of consumer electronics I've ever owned. I honestly believe that. It, it, it's a perfect size for me. It's a perfect size yeah. tablet. It's not, it, you know, it's not too big. I felt the other tablets were too big. It's, you know, it's basically the size of a paperback book if you folded it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's got that going forward. It's got a great screen. It's really fast. I love it. That's awesome. Also, you have like 200 apps on here. I can fit like 10 on mine. It's like <laughs> storage is full. Oh, he, bought, he buys the biggest memory. Yeah, it's 128 yeah. gigs, right? Whoa. So, yeah. See, well, mine's like, I feel like mine's like eight. No, like so 16. Many, it's probably 16. I put so much audio on these, just podcasts. That's and awesome. it's just, it, you know, it gets to be 700, 800 you know, um, megabytes easy. Yeah. I'm I'm constantly having to do that balancing act of like deleting podcasts and like I feel like it's this very mm-hmm. low level stress in my life like how much data <laughs> am I <laughs> what's my storage looking like yeah so not and, having and, to worry about that was a good was a reason why I got and you it. can't yeah. even run some of the like I use a third party podcast program called mm-hmm. Pocket Casts and it makes it a lot easier to subscribe and delete and you know clean the stuff up yeah it, but it won't run on your phone so I can't even suggest it for <laughs> for uh-huh. the iPhone four so. Bummer, because I had a 4s before I got mine. I have, mm-hmm. a, I have a small six, you know, the little baby six compared oh, yeah. to his. And uh, yeah, I thought you were going to get the gold. Uh, watch, right, the edition, <laughs> the gold the seventeen thousand dollar one. Um, they they just announced that uh, they're not going to be able to fulfill most uh, most watch um, purchases. So I think some, I think some people who, who ordered it early are going to be able to get it, but most of them aren't going to get them until June. So wow! So they didn't anticipate the demand. No, no. it's like over uh, well, three million. Is it anticipating demand, or is it sticking to a launch schedule and making as many as you can prior to that schedule? I think it's probably more of that. Well, I think it's and well, they also want to drive desire. Sure, but you they want to have a yeah, shortage. I, I, I agree. I think they kind of undersold. You know, they 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 underexpected just to mm-hmm. make sure they weren't going to go overboard, and they realized that people are going to come to them afterwards. Like two months is not going to hurt their their business on that on the Apple Watch. Yeah, it's Those just going to like, create more demand scarcity and exactly. things. Kind of like these rare beers. You know, you hear about they make certain amounts, so there's all mm-hmm. this demand for next year. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't be that surprised if that was Apple's game. I don't know. I think they certainly do it. Like when they put out the iPhone 6, you know, it was on limited supply for yeah. a month before you could order it and get it, you know, next day type of stuff. Where, you know, they could have made a month's more iPhones and released it and everyone could have got theirs on day one. That there's, there's nothing probably worse, no benefit to that. There's nothing worse than dumping product. I'm sure that's the last thing they want to do. I mean, they, they spend a lot of money making it and stuff like that. So I'm sure that they're, they're thinking it's better for us to under... Mm-hmm. It estimate than overestimate right yeah and when you're putting out so many watch editions you got to figure out which ones are in demand yeah. I mean, the first week everything's going to sell out except for the crazy expensive ones but you know as they start they'll start well, to see yeah but they, they didn't make very many right they only made a few hundred so. i think of the edition 
So what is the appeal of the watch for you guys? Because for me, I mean, obviously, I'm probably one of these. I don't get it. But maybe you could say what it is for you. I think the appeal, and I haven't actually used the watch. I've seen it being, like, you've seen videos of it. And I I find that I'm kind of hesitant about it. I'm more of like, I'll wait until version 2 or version 3, I think. But I think the, the appeal is that it kind of gets you away from constantly looking at your phone. You're... You're not you're not as stuck to taking it out of your pocket looking whenever you get a buzz or a mm-hmm. beep or something. You just have it on your wrist. You can see whether you can ignore it right away, and you just it, it sort of they spent so much time like a decade getting us tied to these things, and now they're trying to okay, we're gonna let you go a little bit. You still have to have the constant access to it, but here it is in a, in a place that's relatively easy for you to just ignore pretty pretty quickly. I think that's really the the major selling point is a sort of detachment from this world that we all have jumped on board <laughs> totally willingly. Okay, interesting. So it's more, it's like be in the moment more because it's on your wrist. It's not in your pocket. It's not going to, in the middle of a conversation, you're not going to be one of these people who stops the conversation, pulls out your phone, says, oh, just one second. Right. I have to like deal with this. You can just kind of do a little flick of the wrist. Oh, I can handle that later kind of thing. It doesn't right. ruin Right, and also... Life you're kind of limited in the kinds of things you can do. So you're not going to write a whole email yeah, on true. your mm-hmm. wrist type thing. Okay, so that's true. You can reply to iMessages with it. I, I just On the way down, I was listening to a review of the, of the iWatch. You can reply to iMessages, but you can't write, reply to emails. Um, even with voice dictation, I don't think you can reply to emails. Mm. Um, it was interesting. The one thing she tried to do is it has passbooks. So she had her boarding pass on her watch. But she couldn't get her wrist under the scanner because, you know, it's made for paper and phones. And she couldn't get the watch under the scanner so it would register. So she had to pull out her phone anyway for her reporting pass. Oh, that seems like a, <laughs> I mean, it seems like a, like a big deal. And, and they'll, they'll, get, they'll get over that. Yeah, I mean, they'll make new scanners, yeah. right, as it's more popular. It's just an interesting thing. You know, you think, oh, it's on my watch. It'd be super convenient. You're like, how do I get that in there? I just think the evolution is, is kind of interesting because... If you look at, like, we had pocket watches, and then we went to watches on on our wrist, and mm-hmm. uh, now we have these, these phones, which turned into our new pocket watches. Uh, and, you know, they have all the information that we need, and now they're putting at least part of it on our wrist. Back to the watch. Yeah. Back to the wrist. <laughs> so wh- how long until that watch is like your Disney watch, or your Disney <laughs> thing that you had, where you can just wave it at your barista and there's your coffee uh, wave it at your bartender I guess it doesn't have Apple Pay does it no it does it oh does. it does have oh, Apple Pay press the okay. thing twice and you put it up to an Apple Pay and it, and oh. it beeps wow. for you. There so it goes. It's, okay. already, it's already there the thing is I don't go any place that accepts Apple Pay <laughs> I think Starbucks Starbucks right, right, does and um, like Dunkin Donuts or something any place that has one of those RFID things that's not one of the drugstores the drugstores are trying to collude together to make their own payment system mm-hmm. so they said we're not going to accept any Apple Pay yeah oh, it seems like the payment system things are like you see the Square register mm-hmm. everywhere now we had Square like right mm-hmm. like the first year it came out for just little things here and there like paying people getting paid and stuff and now it's like they have the register I'm like I'm sure they're making so much money off that like I guess they make what is it like 3% of every Transaction or something like that. I'm like maybe more. I'm not sure. It's a, that's a good business model. Good business <laughs> idea. Yeah. There's money in moving money. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it just has PayPal. They. Uh... I don't trust PayPal. Yeah. Our account got hacked on PayPal <laughs> oh, really? once. Yeah, yeah. Through no fault of our own that I can figure out. Some like Czechoslovakia guy like stole like two hundred dollars from us, yeah. but they reimbursed it within a couple of days. But I feel like if I didn't call them, that 
would have just been gone. So is PayPal your guys' sponsor on this <laughs> podcast? Because they're not going to be anymore. No, we uh, we have no sponsors. Our sponsors are our listeners. That's they, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, we get most of our income. We have an Amazon referral link. Oh, yeah. Nice. And we promote that. And uh, we get up to $200 a month from that. So, I mean, it's not, awesome. it's not paying for any day jobs, but it definitely supports the... The beer that's drunk, and, yeah. and some of the in the travel. We're going to the GABF this year. Oh, awesome. cool! Um, this will be my fifth year. Your fourth or third? Second. Second? Only second? No, oh, you've third, been there third. twice. It'll be your third time. Yeah. We've never been. We've never been. It's <laughs> a, it's it's a fun time, especially it's, you know. It's rowdy. It's, it's, I I still think Saber is the, by far the best of the yeah. festivals. So when, mm-hmm. okay, you're, you're right, but when I talk about going to GABF, I talked about going to Denver the week of GABF. Yeah, yeah. That's there's a lot of great stuff going on, and if you get media credentials, you know you can get into a lot more things. You know, get a behind the scenes tour at New Belgium and, and things like that. It was uh, you know, so we've had a pretty pretty nice time out there. You know, flashing our fake media badges <laughs> <laughs> hey that's the same with us i think we, we have those <laughs> yeah we had a lot of fun in in denver so we actually interviewed the uh the governor of colorado john hickenlooper mm-hmm. who started a brewery back in the 80s yeah. a wine cooper and company so that was pretty crazy too they like he definitely had like his handler person who like she was like you have like 10 minutes yeah so it gets set up he's gonna be in he's gonna be out like you have figure out your questions and like that's it but that interview was awesome, and it ended up making it into the film. It was really cool. I was like, that's pretty cool that— He's probably going to get some national offices here. Yeah. Right? Seems like he has aspirations to go bigger. I, I could agree. see it. I would agree. I think we heard maybe even, like, little whispers of that or, like, you yeah. know, heard that from someone that he has aspirations of running for a national office. So Actually, I think I heard—one time I think I heard someone mention him for VP. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I feel oh like my, I've heard uh, that, too. Yeah, I could see that. I um, mean, don't you think Americans get behind—brewer— like mayor, like I don't know. I mean, I don't. Small I haven't really summer. followed his politics. So I'm Pot not legalizer, yeah, yeah. Pot well, that legalizer, too. Yeah, yes. That too. So, did you get anything about the the White House and they they're doing their own little small brewer like home brewing stuff? Yeah, actually. Oh, so yeah, we have an awesome story about that. So we were at the DC homebrewers meeting, just filming, and you know we're talking to everyone, and we met the kid, and he was definitely like very early 20s he started the petition the change.org petition to get barack obama to release his homebrew recipe oh, okay. <laughs> and it worked he got it and then he brewed the beer and he was like yeah it was all right <laughs> yeah i saw i saw the recipe you know the recipe i'm like oh no nah, it wasn't like a honey amber or something. <laughs> yeah, honey, yeah. yeah i'm yeah. not gonna make that now <laughs> i think they have bees at the white house yeah. so that was like they have the, theory there yeah so. Yeah, I love that idea because I, I was a history major, so I'm like, okay, I get this argument. Like, this is a historical thing, this beer recipe. Yeah, like, 100 years from now, people might want to study. It's kind of like, is it Yards that's doing the presidential ale series <laughs> mm-hmm. where they're sort of digging up the you know the beers that Jefferson and Washington used to brew and trying to recreate them? Um, I haven't tried too many of those, so I don't know if they're that good, but I love the idea of it, like the I, history. I, they. I haven't had any lately. They've actually started doing that series, the presidential series, years ago. I mean, it's over mm-hmm. 10 years old now. And, yeah, I've had the, I think the Jefferson one has, you know, instead of, well, it probably has hops in it, you know, because they're making modern beer, and actually they legally have to put a, a hop in it at least. But it uses spruce tips for bittering and things like that as well. Something, you know, traditional But the Yards is the one that they actually update them for modern taste, right? Because I, I, I do remember, I think it was Sam Adams, they released a presidential pack or something similar. Did they? Uh, yeah. Where... Or it were a, a, wasn't a president. I know Ben Franklin was, in, so it couldn't have been presidential. But it was um, 
it, it was it was actual recipes from that time period. I guess as close yeah, as I'm not sure there. about the yards. I mean, I think some of those are pretty authentic, yeah. at least the ingredients. And they and there were some that were like, okay, this is interesting. But it, it was cool that they that Sam Adams did that. They they put out this you know this stuff that I mean it wasn't by modern standards anything very impressive, but it was pretty cool. I, I think though they had a hard root beer that we loved. Oh, that, yeah, that sounds, sounds awesome! Yeah. I'm such a root beer fan. That is like my go-to soft drink. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> it was. I mean, made with the actual like you know, there's no. Uh, High fructose corn syrup. They have the actual um, sassafras and stuff in yeah. there, so you got real flavors. Mm-hmm. It was great. So I'm curious about the gear you guys use for movie making. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, that's a little more nuts and bolts than we'll get into on the main show. Sure. But what's your camera? What do you use for post production things like yeah, that? Yeah, so we're both like self taught filmmakers for everything. Um, so we shot this one on a Canon Rebel T5, which is a pretty middle of the run consumer DSLR that you can buy, um, and we recorded everything on the zoom h1 which you guys have rolling here um for the audio so yeah it was basically just two cameras two of the canon rebels alexis would film and i would film um for two different angles and that was pretty much it set the uh the recorder on a tripod um one person does handheld maybe with the camera if we want some like close-ups or different angles or that sort of look of handheld so, it's yeah, it's, it's very crazy simple. that, you know, I mean, I know that they make these awesome DSLRs that shoot high-def video, mm-hmm. but, you know, it just, whenever I see someone using it, it still blows my mind because the last time I touched a good video camera, it was the, um, I think it was the Canon GL2. Mm-hmm. You know, that was before HD, but it was uh, a mini, uh, mini DV oh, uh, yeah, I know video camera. Yeah. It was a really nice camera. We actually, I used to work for... Uh, website of one of the newspapers in town and we got that to do kind of website media type things and the camera was way overboard for what we needed and i used it for a couple of personal projects but we had this big pelican case for it you know it was yeah. like don't break the camera yeah yeah we're super like we drop stuff all the time it's terrible <laughs> like, we should be more responsible for it but um yeah i mean my dream would be to have one what they're shooting on a lot of people are shooting on now is these 4k the red 4k mm-hmm. camera which right. You know, it's 4,000 pixels. Right. It's like, I'm sure the movie files are just taking up hard drives worth of space. Um, even with what we shot, we're, I think we have like four or five, like three or four terabyte hard drives just packed with stuff because we've shot so much stuff. Um, but I think this suit suited our needs pretty well, the Canon Rebel. Mm-hmm. Got everything done. All the shots look pretty great. Um, I would like in the future if we can ever get the funding to get a little bit of a better lens to get like the depth of field that you see in these really right. mm-hmm. good looking you know features and documentaries. Um, I think anytime and all those little details add up to create the production value that you're like oh this looks like somebody really. But with the Canon, you you just need SLR lenses, right? So you can get yeah you know a good um, you know. Good zoom with it. It's going to set you back six, seven hundred dollars, probably yeah, exactly. not much more than that. Where yeah. If you're getting something like that for like the Canon XL, you know the old, you know, the one that was better than the one I was playing with, you know, that's a much bigger lens purchase for that. Yeah. So it definitely brings it down into the indie uh, filmmakers 
reach a lot better quality than they used to be able to get. Yeah, definitely. But, and then you get people shooting them on iPhones. I mean, yeah, Greg, yeah. Greg's camera is uh, pretty darn good. It does not have, like you said, the kind of depth of field, that kind of right. that, that cinematic quality. Yeah. That you get. But, you know, at the end of the day, a good story is a good story. Um, so, you know, we've seen stuff shot. I mean, our first movie, we our very first movie, we shot on flip cameras. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those little yeah. things? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. There's no depth of field. <laughs> like, everything's yeah. in focus. Um, and uh, But, you know, the stories we captured were still super moving and it still worked out really well so definitely story is king but then if you can add that production level it really sets it apart um so yeah i mean it's pretty cool that everything's affordable now uh, i always tell people like we're living in an age where you can teach yourself any skill whether it be podcasting or movie making or whatever making beer whatever you want to do and the technology needed like that price barrier to entry is coming down and down and down so you can you know, more and more people can do these really awesome projects. Absolutely. And the well, price to distribute is also way down. Exactly. You don't need to have some huge distributor just to get your film noticed. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. We found this dis- uh, this new distribution platform called VHX um, for our film, and we're going to try to do as much distribution as we can. But for this one, it's like sell your own movie on your yeah. website. They take, I think, 50 cents a sale or mm-hmm. like 10% a sale or something like that. It's super reasonable. And again, it's just one of those barriers that the internet is kind of eliminating, which is cool. What do you guys do for post-production? Uh, we were, okay, this is crazy. We started in Final Cut Pro 10, the, uh, the newer Final Cut. And once we had like a rough cut, I wanted to get sound and color correction done by one of our friends. And he's like, in order to do really good you know, sound and color correction, I need to take it into Adobe software, Adobe Premiere, mm-hmm. and then into like speed grade and audition to do some of the work. So he, over this like crazy process, took it from <laughs> Final Cut into Adobe. It took him like weeks, and it was such a nightmare. So now we're fully in Adobe Premiere with the movie, like any other changes we make to it. And I think gotcha. I'm going to be sticking with that in the future because... Final Cut's pretty good for like short stuff, but when you get to a feature, it's it's just kind of sluggish. Okay. We're recording this on Audition, so. Oh, nice! Yeah, I love <laughs> Audition's pretty crazy. Some of yeah. the stuff. Again. The main reason I use it and not like uh, some other free software is just when you're doing edits, it, mm-hmm. you, t- you when you chop something out, it does a crossfade automatically. That's awesome. And that you know, so there's no clicks or anything when you can, and you can really get in there with the razor blade. And like, if there's a um right in this when someone's talking, you're able to go in there. And we don't edit anymore. Snip out. No, not anymore. But that's the main reason <laughs> I used it because nothing else I could find does that. When you edit, cut something out, it does a crossfade and smooths it all out all by itself. Have you played? It also has that, like, I think it's called like a spectrograph view. Do you know what I'm talking I've about? I've seen where it. Yeah. Like, comes up. It kind of looks like predator vision, where yeah. it's like, uh, like lots of oranges and There's reds. Been, I've used it once or twice where we've been in a noisy room. You were talking about that echo, the exactly. clip thing, right? And I was trying to find the frequency and just trying to like, you know, mute, like, yeah, dim the a, frequency using the spectral view. There's a cool tool called like Auto Heal where you literally just highlight. Like, if you had the air conditioner running right now. You could isolate that sort of bass hum right. and just like click it and just be like auto heal, and it just like goes away magically. And it's like there was no air conditioner, which is pretty cool. Right. So there's been some times I've had some pretty bad audio, and I've worked really hard to get it listenable. But uh, I'm not a pro, so it usually sounds thin and tinny at that point. But from another another technical standpoint, I guess I'm big into story structure. I've you know I've been the past couple of years. It's one of the things I've been like obsessing about uh and i'm curious because you obviously went in here with an idea how much did um what you shot match that idea and how much was like you had to kind of go through and 
you have to hit these story beats, right, in order for it to in order for people to make sense of it. So you got to find something there. Was there like was there something new that you found while you were filming, or was it pretty much what you expected? Um, that's a good question. Um, so total, we did over a hundred interviews um, during the filming. So we filmed for like a year and a half. Um, and we kind of started out with this like more broad idea, like let's capture the craft beer industry in this time of crazy growth. But then kind of as we're doing more interviews, we were both like, we really need to find like the startup story. That's mm-hmm. where all the drama is, like all the money's on the line. Is it going to succeed? Is it going to fail? No one knows. So like that's just inherently a story. Sure. So we met um, Danny from Backshore Brewing. He was actually one of the very first interviews that we did, which is kind of blows my mind to think about. But so we were just kind of like very struck with him right away. We were like, he's really enthusiastic. He's super passionate. Like he wants to put a brewery on the boardwalk of Ocean City, Maryland. That's crazy. So like, let's just check in with him. So we kind of like knew that we were going to have that like linear timeline story going in. And same with the brew gentlemen as well. Like when we met them, they're still under construction. And we were like, we're going to tick down to opening day. So you had that storyline. But then it was, yeah, totally interesting because we filmed so much with both of them to what we picked out to make it to the end Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're definitely trying to find that story structure even in a documentary where it's true life and it doesn't necessarily fit into what we think of as the traditional movie arc where act one act two act Mm -hmm. three or like the joseph campbell like narrative arcs of like the call to action yeah that that, that's you know more what i'm into but i I totally know what you mean yeah exactly so usually you would think like a documentary is not gonna fit in that but actually the way this film worked out in a way a lot of films worked out it kind of does like with opening a brewery you have that sort of that call to adventure where it's like okay here we go like Mm -hmm. i'm risking everything on opening this brewery how's it gonna go and we even found with this movie we had really good you know like at the end of act two everything's supposed to look really bleak everything's supposed to look like there's no hope that worked out really well in this film too because um you know the one guy like we didn't even expect this to happen he got hit with a trademark lawsuit and it turned into this crazy thing that like could have put him out of business and that worked really well as like sort of the with the father yeah, exactly. The <laughs> with the Great father, news. fellow Campbell. <laughs> yeah, so and you he know. worships Dan Harmon. Oh, do you listen to Harmontown? Of course, I love Harmontown. That's where I'm sort of getting all my <laughs> Joseph Campbell secondhand knowledge. <laughs> Did you see the Harmontown documentary? Yeah, it's on yeah. VHX too. I think. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It's awesome. I was yeah. uh, at the Pittsburgh show actually. Oh no, yeah. Like, yeah, you were at the famous Pittsburgh, the famous show, Pittsburgh show where Aaron and him had a huge it was, fight. It was kind of. It, it was like uncomfortable, but at the same time, it was Beautiful. like yeah, because because you were because it was it was something real. It was yeah. you were you were part of something that was real. It was just there and thrown out to everybody. That's uh, so cool. It was it was great. It was a great time. That podcast is amazing. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> that that guy's a, he's a crazy genius. He really is. He's a nut job. And uh, and mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh one, people they still talk about as like being like. That was pretty crazy. Uh, didn't I make you listen to that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, it's pretty painful at some yeah. points. <laughs> we had an awkward moment on the show a couple weeks ago, and someone Uh-oh. picked it up on Twitter. Remember when I was, we're talking about the uh, talking about that Hoppy Pilsner from uh, Archer, right? You don't remember this? I don't remember this. He's at all. blocked so, it out of his mind. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I so, have no memory. So <laughs> I was, we, we, this is really Hoppy Pilsner, and I made a statement like it's different from an IPA. I was trying to just oh, paint this okay, out yeah. for a listener, you know, so that cuz it actually it taste, had a lot of IPA type qualities to it. And he starts jumping down my throat. Like of course it doesn't taste like an IPA because it's a lager and all this stuff. And it really threw me off my game like it was like 
why are you fucking with me, man? Yeah, <laughs> you know? on air. And, and so, like, it, like there was this long pause, and <laughs> and then we kind of got past it. But then on Twitter, some dude started picking up, and it's like, I guess there's something on the Andy and Opie show or whatever about like everyone has to walk on eggshells around the Greg shells or something around this other guy or something, and it like got retweeted by like eight or nine people that like this whole thing. You didn't see any of those? No, I didn't see any of this. Remember the day I was talking about that? I showed you that tweet about the... Yeah, it got some traction about that. And like, like why are you guys fighting? <laughs> the, the dude, well, actually, the dude was taking Greg's side. They were, they were, he was kind of bashing me for derail... Because like, I guess on the Anthony... You know, what is that name of that show? The, uh, it's just the Anthony show now. Uh, whatever. But I guess, you know, if the guy didn't get his way, he'd just like, derail the whole flow of the show and just kind of pout. And the guy was kind of picking on me for like... Like it's just beer tasting notes, and like you throughout the whole thing because uh, no, of- <laughs> I, I do remember that it, it, it struck me as odd because we were tasting this pilsner, and uh, you know, and it's it's hoppy, and Jeff says, "Okay, so let me explain why this isn't an IPA," and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> because we're because it's a pilsner. I mean, we you know, we three hundred and something shows, we've explained many times the difference between these styles. So it, it felt like oh, we're getting into remedial stuff now. But Jeff's point was was good it just it, it it took me some time to, to to get on that same track with him we were totally going different directions and and yeah just getting to okay i see where you're going with this but his was response hard. was like 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 hit me <laughs> dagger to the heart why the fuck are you doing this now man <laughs> 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 what the fuck <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad all of Alexis and I's conversations while editing are, were not recorded yeah. <laughs> because we yeah. got heated a couple of times. You know, you, you just like get attached to a certain clip uh, or, um, you know, a certain an idea. Yeah, an idea or like a, you know, even like a graphic or something you came up with. And, you know, you're just like, I hate that. It's terrible. <laughs> and then eventually you talk it out and you're like, okay, I get where you're coming from and you're probably right. Let's make it better. We can do better. You can always do better. But, yeah, I'm definitely glad we didn't have a mic on <laughs> during some of that stuff. <laughs> For sure, yeah. You kind of have to embrace the idea that you have to kill your darlings, though. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's our mantra. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. I like to call it slicing and dicing. Yeah, slicing and dice. <laughs> Slice and dice today. That's what we kept saying. Yeah. Because it's like you come up with this, like, huge long segment or, like, 10 minutes of the movie, yeah. and then you wait two days later. You're like, nope, this yeah. has got to go. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's like a bunch of darlings we cut from this one. Like we so had a, a really cool segment on like the history of craft beer and how it all came to be. Mm-hmm. Like how we started, you know, before Prohibition. Actually, we went even further back to like yeah. pilgrims bringing, stopping here because they were out of beer. Yeah. Um, and whether that's a myth or not is up for debate. But then, you know, we, so we had this whole cool history segment. And then it's like seven minutes long and we're watching and we're like, doesn't fit at all like it just kind of derails these personal brewery stories and like that was one of the last things we cut that was really hard we had a thing about cicerones too that was Mm -hmm. really neat um so there's all this stuff we want to do something with we gotta maybe we'll make a short or just put it on dvd special features or extended cut director's cut yeah so we'll figure it out (laughs) should we get on to the uh, show we absolutely should get on the show thanks guys and uh we 